Hello and welcome to Cancri, home of Canada's queer media. My name is Luke Smith. And I'm Sebastian. Ooh, that is not having a great time there. Um, seem to be picking up audio from somewhere. Oh, well, we'll figure it out. So, yes, uh, we are back at Cancri, home of Canada's queer media. I have figured out the issue here. All right. And, uh, yeah, thank you, Sebastian, for joining us. Always a pleasure to have, uh, well, I see, always a pleasure to have you. You co-host the show. Yeah, well, Couldn't do it without yeah. you. Yes. <laughs> Generally, yes, you could say that, yes. Absolutely. Now, uh, it's been, I feel like there's been things going on, and uh, I think it is only fitting that uh, we start off this week with me putting up my hands and saying, based on the facts available, I was wrong. Oh, I, about I may what? have... Was I wrong? Heavily insinuated. Wrong? I don't think we were overly, I think we've, you know, I'm usually pretty good about saying, you know, allegedly and uh, mm -hmm. accused and mm -hmm. and so on and so forth. Um, mm -hmm. But with the sheer volume of men that made allegations against Kevin Spacey, the former lead actor of um, House of Cards, uh, mm -hmm. The idea that uh, it's just the, the evidence against him was uh, pretty astonishing. But like I said, I will put my hands up and say, uh, you know, at the uh, Southwark Crown Court uh, this past week, he was found not guilty by a, a jury of his peers, um, mm -hmm. or at least the general public anyway, and, uh, yeah, of the various charges that he was facing in the UK. Uh, the court case involved, I believe, about four different people um, mm -hmm. who had brought accusations against him. And, uh, yeah, essentially, he was found not guilty. But, as I mentioned, uh, I think I have been less than forgiving of, uh, of uh, Kevin Spacey over the... Mm -hmm over the years since his allegations came out. Now, to be fair to you, though, under the uh, the, the English common law system, uh, not guilty doesn't mean innocent. It just means we can't prove that you did it with beyond a shadow of a doubt. There, there is actually... Aren't there systems that actually have a separate not guilty and innocent? Like, those are two separate things. Like, innocent is we can prove that you definitely did not do it, and not guilty just means that we, we cannot prove that you are guilty. I don't know. Either way, uh, yeah, I, I think, I don't know, I, I try to hedge my bets with that kind of thing. You know, on the one hand, where there's smoke, there's fire. On the other hand, hey, we don't know. We should see the evidence, you know? Um, so, I mean, yeah. I, I, I've seen a few reports of um, of uh, Kevin Spacey apparently uh, wept tears of relief uh, when he got the verdict. Um, but yeah, that's... Um, I don't know. It's it's one of those smaller stories, but it's part of a larger story that's been ongoing for what three years now, four years now, absolutely seven years now. Well, Who knows? It's he, been a while. He was accused of being a sexual bully, of not respecting personal boundaries of space, mm -hmm. um, and you know we didn't really we we mentioned a couple of times as the uh, as the story went on that the court court case was happening, but we never really. Um, we didn't really go into details. Yeah, no, and I don't yeah. think we're going to do so now either. Uh, but uh, as I said, four different men uh, went to court against mm -hmm. him. We were made aware of other cases 
uh, around that. Um, you know, I think his defense accused, you know, said that one of them was just a clumsy pass. Uh, is how uh, how we had phrased one of the uh, incidents. Uh, his defense claimed that it was uh, a lot of these encounters were just being reframed in the context of, uh, you know, the allegations coming in, sort of jumping on the bandwagon, as it were. Right, um, yeah. Either way, the jury did not find him guilty. And of right. course, uh, we might... I do remember, it was about a year ago now, one of the, the many cases in the States... Um, as per usual, it was a laundry list of accusations, and I remember a couple of them were dismissed on the premise of uh, what he did was not great and not gentlemanly, let's say, but he didn't break any laws in doing so. So it, it seems like the the cases coming out of the UK are are pretty similar. They're not necessarily condoning his activities as being the kind of thing you should do when you're approaching someone, but he didn't break any laws either, which is... Um, I don't know. I mean, you're you're basically just a serial sleazebag at this point in time. I think that that'd be the way to put it. That he is a serial sleazebag, and occasionally he stepped over the line, and occasionally he did not step over the at least not the legal line, uh, but was just kind of sleazy. And being sleazy is not illegal so long as you keep your hands to yourself and don't force anyone to anything. And I think that's just what we're seeing now is that just a a, a long life of sleaziness. Uh, some of which did cross the line and has resulted ha has yes has resulted in um, guilty verdicts uh, in some jurisdictions and in some cases, but yeah. not always. Well, after four weeks on his sixty third birthday, no less, uh, mm -hmm. he was found not guilty of the charges against him. But uh, you know, I think even since this began, we have been talking about Kevin Space and the allegations against him for eight years because that's how long this court case has been well not this specific court case uh, but the allegations broke eight years ago he told the courts that he hasn't really had any work in eight years uh, and that there were projects just waiting for when he got back uh, presumably once cleared of these particular charges sorry once found not guilty of these particular charges um now, I, I think it's interesting because although he may have been found not guilty of these charges, I have a suspicion that every room he's going to enter, every nightclub he walks into, people mm -hmm. are going to be far more on guard around him than ever before. Any house party he miraculously mm -hmm. is invited to, people will be more cautious about where folks are drunk and, and stood maybe uh, too close because the kinds he said himself that he was a promiscuous and a flirt and that doesn't mm -hmm. make him a bad person um you know his defense he said something was a clumsy pass mm -hmm. but the, you know his reputation has certainly been uh, been altered here and i i suspect that hollywood may be a little bit more wary of him uh, moving forward. Yeah. Well, here's the thing. There's been a long history of sleazebags in Hollywood, uh, very promiscuous, promiscuous individuals. Actually, also in the music industry, if you want to look at uh, heavy metal, uh, the, the hair metal bands in the 80s were famous for, for putting out also, you know, Mick Jagger and that kind of thing. The difference between a regular sleazebag and a sleazebag that attracts the attention of the media is whether or not you take no for an answer. And I think that's the the difference is that if you're looking at, I don't know, you know, the, the members of White Snake, you know, the the 
MTV behind the music kind of a reputation that that uh, celebrities can sometimes have. They make a pass at everyone and anything, but the difference between them and somebody like like what we're looking at here is uh, how they react when the the person they're hitting on is hesitant or just flat out says no. Do you say, well, you know, okay, fine, good on you. You know, maybe you could say something sassy like, well, you're missing out or whatever, but still, that's not really forcing in any, anyone. But, you know, just move on and go, you're a celebrity. There'll be another person. Just wait an hour, you know, especially if you're backstage. Like, you can hit on anyone you want. Just when they say no, be like, oh, okay. Like, it's, it's I don't know, not that I'm condoning hitting on everyone you know, but I'm saying <laughs> if you're, if you are going to do so. You can only do so and get away with it if you accept no as an answer. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, it, it, it's... It, Legally get away with it, not socially get away with it. Because eventually people are going to be like, "Woo, he's a sleeve bag. And then they're just going to start hanging out with you and, and stop inviting you to events and whatnot. Exactly. After parties are where it's at. That's where your next job comes from half the time. Well, we'll see how it goes. I'm sure with, uh, you know, someone's acting chops such as uh, Kevin Spacey, he won't be out of work for too long. Um, there are certainly going to be independent um, yeah. studios and the such that would happily snap him up um, mm -hmm. during uh, during this time. But, yeah, we'll uh, we'll see. But I wanted to kick it off and uh, sort of uh, mea culpa. You know, uh, I, I tried to... You know, refer to it as allegedly, and uh, you know, allegations are, but uh, I think maybe my perspective on this is as clear as the sky is today. So, right. I do like the idea of him having a second coming in D tier cinema. So, like, we recently watched Cocaine Bear, you and I. Yes, surprisingly I, good. I wouldn't say it was a good movie, but it was a much better movie than it should have been. I would I would give it a B plus, and from premise alone, you would assume it's a D movie, but it's actually not that bad. But I actually would like to see him in the D tier knockoff movie industry, the kind of thing that's straight to Tubi. So like, there's you know after uh, Shark, uh, uh, sorry, uh, Cocaine Bear came out, Cocaine Shark came out not long after. Mm -hmm. I would love to see him as the star of Cocaine Honey Badger, um, that real D tier knockoff cinema uh, that. A lot of has-been celebrities, unfortunately, make their way into, uh, you know, sooner better than later. Better him than somebody we actually like. Absolutely. Now, speaking of, uh, well, actually, you know, sticking to Canada for a while, talking about uh, gay news. Mm -hmm. This is a Canadian story that's actually taking place in Italy. Now, that was a beautiful photograph of, uh, I want to just make sure I get... Uh, get the names right it was a, a canadian couple uh bj barone and frank nelson who welcomed their son milo uh, in june 2014 uh which is pride it was beautiful it was an incredible event uh very very exciting uh their photographer lindsay foster got some really great uh, great, um, what's it looking for? Photos. Mm -hmm. Anyway, mm -hmm. this photo of their surrogacy uh, went viral because it's, you know, a very powerful image. Um, and then it was used by the leading political party in Italy. Uh, mm -hmm. Let me get the name here. Uh, anyway, the, the leading political party is 
Uh, Fratelli d'Italia, uh, may have mispronounced that, my apologies, uh, but it is led by the current Prime Minister of Italy. I think we mentioned before that their more right-wing government uh, recently got uh, elected, um, and uh, yeah, so they came forward. But the this this political party in Italy just straight up used the image uh, as part of their propaganda against surrogacy Mm -hmm. um, featuring this this couple. So the couple and the photographer all sued the uh, political party in Italy. It's been before the Italian courts for an awfully long time. Um, and the decision just came out uh, in, in, in the case. So mm -hmm. the two gentlemen, uh, they have actually won the case, which is excellent. Uh, several legal firms offered to take it on, you know, no win, no, no fees kind of uh, approach. Um, and then just shortly after that, unfortunately, well, actually just before that, uh, Lindsay Foster, her, um, her case was dismissed because although she took the photograph, she wasn't in the photograph. So in Italian law, the, the case of the copyright ownership wasn't, you know, they say wasn't maybe necessarily argued as much as opposed to the the, the subjects of the photos being misappropriated uh, in literally the opposite message of what that photo was designed to, uh, to capture. So the judge dismissed her portion of the case. Uh, oh, okay. She was, okay. She was out by about eight grand, um, give or take, uh, having to pay the various legal fees. Uh, anyway, in about a couple of days ago, there was a uh, GoFundMe campaign set up to uh, to help cover these fees, mm -hmm. um, and uh, it's already past the target. So we're not going to okay. give you the GoFundMe names because uh, at this point, it's already fully achieved. Uh, Lindsay Foster, the uh, the person who who did it, made some quick comments. I'll read them here, uh, and I'm just jumping uh, ahead a little bit. And I quote, I must admit that this has spread some much-needed light on a dark and unfortunate situation when it comes to copyright infringement and the Italian judges ruling after seven years. I wish my story was different. I wish I was currently in the possession, uh, position of telling everyone I fought for my clients and their photo and one knowing I did everything I could to protect what wasn't the Fratelli d'Italia's image to take and use. But here I am having to pay the court costs for losing against who is now Italy's prime minister. It just seems so unreal to me. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think it's an interesting case. You know, like you take a nice, loving, loving beautiful moment of joy and uh, seven years later, you're in court against the Italian prime minister. I mean, I can't imagine how you would... Like that that seems ridiculous to even write. I mean that 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 hardly seems plausible, but that's the situation that these folks found themselves in. So somebody did win, right? Because like you have the people in the photo and you have the photographer, and definitely this was used without permission. So somebody had their rights violated in some way. And yeah, maybe the, the Italian it, courts Yeah, the way it was argued, it was the uh the the two Canadian men uh, who were in the photo. It was uh, found that they uh, they were their court case won. Uh but it was okay. actually the possession of the copyright piece uh was dismissed. Um so yeah, but of course seven years later the political party in Italy uh fought it all the way to the very end. Um and uh mm. yeah, that's that's sort of where that came in. But yeah, but I thought it was an interesting take. 
I will mm-hmm. be maybe a little bit more guarded and hopefully uh, some great photos of me don't go viral. Although, first of all, you'd have to find a great photo of me. Um, that would Aww, be the, at least a viral worthy one. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, let's jump to our first song. This is uh, She They by TYA. And we will be back just after this. She said, can you drive me home, please? I had a little too much whiskey. We're out with all her friends, but she asked me, alone together, but for safety. Catching feelings I don't want to, but she got so many tattoos. Never mind the fact she's dating a dude, but do I do? I want to, but I Welcome back to Cancri, home of Canada's queer media. I want to apologize for that. That song was actually mislabeled. Uh, oh. I, I only just caught the uh, the uh, the profanity in it, so we'll uh, we'll file a complaint about how they've labeled that one. Uh, and again, apologies to our audience for that. Uh, I don't think side boob quite uh, crosses the line, but uh, there was another part of it that certainly did. So we will uh, look into it. And again, our apologies. Uh, now, you passed along a, a story. I mean, this is one that's really sort of dominating the news in terms of uh, the care and attention being provided to uh, refugees across the country. Um, yes. You know, and that certainly con- includes LGBTQ refugees, although um, there is a bit of a different uh, different way that those folks are coming into the country. Uh, but why mm-hmm. didn't you uh, why didn't you expand on it a little bit for us? Well, the, the story came to my attention because it came to my mother's attention. And it came to my mother's attention because she was um, she was actually in church. And uh, at the end of the service, a, a Kenyan refugee came in and asked if it was the kind of church that uh, had shelter. And the answer was, unfortunately, no. They had to relocate recently, and their, their current facilities don't have that. But it, it kind of led down a little rabbit hole where they found out that um, – the number of LGBT refugees coming in from East Africa, especially Uganda and Kenya, into Canada is so great that they're displacing them out of Quebec and into Toronto. And in Toronto, there are so many refugees and asylum seekers that they're, they, the shelters there are turning away an average of 273 people per day. 
So 273 extra people per day are, are sleeping on the streets that night because they're overfilled. And what's happening is some of those individuals are moving out to other nearby cities with shelters, and a lot of them are ending up in Hamilton, which is where my mother lives. There is this um, unfortunate trend, and I, I've heard this actually, I, I've seen this in many different stories from many different refugees from around the world, that they're being um, promised all sorts of things when they reach Canada that are simply not there. We, we do not have the facilities that we're promising them. And a lot of people are ending up on the streets and there is, there is concern that um, it sometimes among the refugees as well, that, I mean, it's harsh to say, but would they have been better off before they came here? At least they had a roof over their heads. You know, at least they had a meal to eat. Um, and there is that issue that the danger is completely different, obviously. Um, but there is concern about how Canada is failing to house and help the asylum seekers that are coming here. Now, of course, there's all kinds of programs uh, to help get people off the streets, not just, you know, homeless shelters, but also um Things like, you know, the, the Rainbow Refuge and, and various organizations that help homelessness among LGBT refugees and asylum seekers. And they're underfunded. And there is just there there's a huge issue going on here uh, with uh, essentially homelessness among refugees and asylum seekers coming to Canada, especially the LGBTQ folks, because they tend to come over in huge batches. It, it, it just has to do with how we get them from East Africa or Chechnya to North America, they tend to come over like a couple thousand at a time and the system can't absorb them. So there are concerns about how, well, they can't absorb them all at once. They can't eventually, but just, there's just, ooh, I wouldn't, you're on mute. Uh, yeah, yeah, I wouldn't be entirely sure about that thousands at a time number. I think you might want to double check, double check ooh. that particular volume. But I mean, you're, the certainly, you're certainly right in terms of you know, major events happening, you know, just this past week, we've been keeping an eye on uh, a court case that was designed to, to try and stop a, a very, very anti-gay law in Ghana. That one just mm -hmm. failed at the Supreme Court level in Ghana. Uh, it's set to make it uh, same-sex um, uh, activities. Uh, mm -hmm. I couldn't find the right word for it there. Um, uh, illegal uh, and uh, all sorts of things. It you know brings it in line with other incredibly strict anti-homosexuality, such as the one recently mm -hmm. passed in Uganda, which is currently the worst in the world. Uh, but even Kenya is also looking at uh, introducing uh, anti-gay legislation. Um, and yeah, there was also protests recently in Botswana. So just all over the place, there are these things, and all of them are driving folks out, uh, and uh, folks are heading to Canada uh, mm -hmm. amongst a, a very small number of what are perceived as safe nations. Mm -hmm. um, maybe how safe we are when you have to sleep outside is, is something that needs to be revisited. But compared Canada, to, yeah. you know, I mean, it's, it's not ideal, but also... Um, I feel like the the legal situation in in Kenya and and, and Ghana and and Uganda are also simply not ideal either. Yeah. Uh, any yeah. any f way forward here? I mean, we're not we're not Australia, but you know, the out of doors is trying to kill you in Canada. The 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 heat waves in the summer and the freezing cold in the winter. It's not a good place to experience homelessness. 
Um, and mark my words, in two weeks to a month, um, the system is going to be worsened. This is not LGBT news, but there there was an incident this morning in, in Haiti uh, where the locals were so tired of uh, ineffective police and uh, government corruption that the people have just risen up and started murdering gang members in the streets. It's really quite dramatic. Um, there are ongoing things. As for how to resolve this... I mean, I don't know. Uh, there had been talks for the longest time of why do we have uh, sort of metropolitan, I don't want to call them dumping ports, but effectively that's what it turns into, that refugees often end up just being placed in Toronto, Vancouver, Montreal, sometimes Quebec City, sometimes places in Alberta. Uh, but there are all these metropolitan centers and they can only absorb so much. Meanwhile, you have other communities that are... Um, not strained and are willing to accept refugees. So um, I mean, it would have to be on a volunteer basis, but could we set up a system for somewhere like Guelph, for example, to say, look, we've got 50 free beds. We can take 50 people. Uh, we can we can help transition them um, out of the shelters and into jobs and homes, and uh, we'll, we'll keep you updated on how fast we can make that happen. I mean, really, this should be a top-down and bottom-up um, sort of cooperative process across the country if we are going to take in this many people all at once. And there is a housing shortage and we are failing to house our refugees and asylum seekers properly. I mean, it's it's got to be. It's got to be. We can't just keep sending them to Toronto, Vancouver, and Montreal and expecting them to take care of it because it's just overburdening the local system. Uh, Canada as a whole can handle it. No doubt. No doubt at all. But we're not doing this as Canada as a whole. We're doing this as a few cities. And I think that's that's not fair in the cities. That's especially not fair on the asylum seekers and refugees. Well, I do recall that uh, just last week, the federal government did step up uh, in terms of increasing support. I think it was specifically the case of Toronto um, mm. after uh, things had kind of bubbled up uh, really to a, a tipping point uh, mm. in, in, in that city. But, uh, yeah, it's definitely a c concern for sure. You know, we've all, I've always been quite proud of the Canadian system for uh, asylum seekers and refugees. You know, mm -hmm. in fact, uh, one of the other stories that we had lined up for today is about Chechnya. Uh, there is a group. Uh, let me see if I can find where I put it. Uh, nope, that's not where I put it. Uh, there is a group in uh, in Chechnya. Oh, okay. I'll find it in a minute. But there is a group in Chechnya, uh, essentially like a, um, it's a group of human rights activists that have sort of very loosely coalesced around uh, following the LGBT purge. Now, just quickly for our, our listeners, um, you know, a few years ago, the uh, leader of the Chechen Republic uh, inside of Russia um, mm. essentially decided that he was done with gay people and would round them up uh, affect, allegations of torture were rampant. People were forced uh, in, in torture sessions to give the list of names uh, who may or may not themselves be gay. It was almost irrelevant. Uh, mm -hmm. They would then be rounded up uh, and tortured and, and so on and so forth. And it was uh, quite, the, quite the ordeal overall. Um, but at the time, something that the uh, leader of uh, the Chechen Republic said that sort of jumps out was, you know, if you like the gays, you can take them, take them to Canada, take them wherever, just get them away from me. Um, mm -hmm. And just that idea of um, 
taking them to Canada as being a, a bit of a, a, a safe haven, um, you know, even even all the time later. There was a, uh, a singer that uh, the Chechen leader Ramzan Kidrov is accused of killing. Now, we did mention that he was one of the people who just went just straight up disappeared during mm -hmm. the purge. Um, but now uh, this group uh, alleged that they spoke to uh, folks inside uh, Ramzan Kidrov's uh, like, um, governing body um, and amongst others. So it was uh, Zalimkan Bakev, and I apologize if I, uh, if I have mispronounced his name. But in the new report from SKSOS, which, as I mentioned, is a Russian loose collective of um, human rights activists uh, they have been really looking into where these people um, disappeared and allegations there was a video released saying that he was in germany uh, they were able to ascertain that the video was actually taken in russia uh, the guy was oh. you may recall this he was going to his, his parents funeral or something and he was going to a funeral of a family flying from moscow fsb you know packaged him up and sent him all the way over to Chechnya, which he'd been actively trying to avoid on account of mm -hmm. the purge. Um, but uh, details have emerged, including that uh, allegedly the reason why he was particularly targeted is because there is a photograph of the leader of the Russian Republic of Chechnya shaking hands with this uh, openly gay um, pop star at the time, um, in in russia and he was so outraged that not only did he shake the hand of a gay man but it was photographed that he told the security services to deal with him so yeah that's the latest uh, update from activists in russia but it's worth mentioning because it is not a pleasant place uh and even now in the past week uh there have been new laws introduced in russia amongst the many wonderful things that they are currently doing as a state, uh, mm. the new laws officially ban any medical interventions uh, in terms of changing the sex of a person. Um, mm -hmm. They are also removing gender markers from official documents which had uh, been legal since 1997. Um, and they're also banning uh, trans people from adopting uh, and they are annulling marriages where somebody in that marriage was trans. They are legally eliminating the existence of trans people uh, in the state of Russia. Uh, so they're, wait, are they removing sex and gender markers? Like, were they were they separate? So, yeah, they they recognize trans folks in uh, briefly, um, and now they're they're just wiping everything like an etch sketch. But of course, no, but. These are real but uh, uh, are they removing all sex markers, or are they no. saying that your 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 birth sex only? Exactly. No. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. But this is a reversal reversal on thirty years of uh, of, of right, where right. they've been. The precedent. Yeah. 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 But like I said, they are they're not really the 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 shining beacon of <laughs> leftist liberal values uh, at mm -hmm. the moment. Whilst engaged in an active. Uh, invasion. So mm -hmm. why don't we, on that cheerful point, uh, pivot over to our next track. This one mm -hmm. uh, is called um, 
Over Before It Began. Uh, and this is by Kaylee Cardinal. All of our show, uh, songs this week are, as nearly always they are, uh, from LGBTQ-identified Canadians. And uh, we're always happy to give a little bit of our time to uh, queer folks making music here in Canada. As I said, this is Over Before It Began by Kaylee Cardinal. And we'll be back just after this. Everyone else can see it The way I start to shine When you come around I got one thing on my mind You're willfully in the dark But you can't deny I step forward and you step back This frenzy got me so Welcome back to Cancrea, home of Canada's queer media. My name is Luke Smith. And I'm Sebastian. Now, I want to mention uh, Manny Healy of the 1975, a great British folk band. Uh, indie folk? Indie band. Indie band. There we go. Are you familiar with 1975? I'm not. You are not familiar. Now, I am, I am certain uh, we are not really a... 
a big top 40 kind of station here, but I should be able to find something by them just to refresh your memory. So the 1975, I think the biggest hit is probably About You or somebody else, uh, or maybe Robbers. Let's see if I can throw a little uh, teaser on for our audience to refresh their memory. I realized I just picked a five-minute song and it was going to take forever to get to the uh, the the, uh -huh. the the bit that would actually remind anybody of it. So we won't do that. But anyway, uh, it came up because they were in Malaysia recently. Okay. Now, in uh, they've had laws against homosexuality in Malaysia for quite a long time, amongst other things. Uh, it is literally criminal to be uh, um, trans-presenting in any way. Um mm -hmm. Anyway, so he was on stage. Now, Matty Healy and uh, others have occasionally from time to time uh, taken the step to uh, criticize uh, the laws of the land where they are um, and to uh, um, Ooh, take use of that, that. Stage, stage. Well, yeah. he did. In He was in Malaysia. He was there for a, a headlining a music festival in Kuala Lumpur. And mm -hmm. uh, it was a three or four day event. Uh, it's bearing in mind it's been illegal there for about twenty years. Uh, he was uh, allegedly clearly intoxicated on stage during the the performance. Bearing in mind, uh, Malaysia oh. is a Muslim <laughs> country, Muslim dominant country. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yes. But yeah, he apparently told uh, everybody in the audience that I and I quote. I do not see the point of inviting the 1975 to a country and then telling us who we can have sex with. Uh, he goes on to say that he was furious and they made a mistake when booking the shows and that he would never have booked a show in a country where homosexuality is illegal, had he realized. Uh, and then him and one of his bandmates shared a same-sex kiss uh, mm -hmm. on the stage Needless to say, he has now been banned from Malaysia, um, oh, okay. as as one would probably expect. Furthermore, the mm -hmm. three-day concert, which had two days still to go, was then also immediately cancelled by the authorities, specifically mm -hmm. due to Matthew Healy's uh, um, comments and on conduct uh, on the stage. But what has been really interesting is the number of LGBTQ Malaysians who have come out and said, look, you feel like you made a mistake performing here. That's fine. Mm -hmm. But by announcing it on stage to a very sensitive government to being uh -huh. called out on this particular issue... In a country um, that does not have free speech protections. Exactly. You know, he's yeah. going to be fine. He will leave. But yeah, it yeah, is yeah. the local population. It's local queer folks who mm -hmm. are holding their breath to see if the government of Malaysia reacts to this this critique of their, their, their reputation um, in, a, in a crackdown uh, in Kuala Lumpur and elsewhere. 
and it's it they were like he has not necessarily understood the local impact of this and it's been quite yeah. a debate as to you know is this white saviorism that this this sense of let me uh let me tell you why this is terrible um yeah. and and make a big statement and this will help uh, and the local folks are saying no 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 this is going to do the the exact opposite of helping this is sort of an extension of tourist entitlement. Like people often forget that when you go into another country, you are a guest in that country and you need to abide by the laws of the land. You need to abide by the culture of the land. And if you're not comfortable doing that, you don't have to go there. Now for, for, for people to come in and try to do activism, that's fair. All right. But you got to do it in a way you got to do it in the language that the locals will hear. So, Getting drunk, going on stage, and making out with a, with a, a band member—that's uh, not the way. Not 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 in Kuala Lumpur. That's not how you do it there. You, it, it would be a lot more subtle. You gotta if you're gonna do it at all, you gotta break the ground in a way that does not make the locals suffer. This is, yeah, no, it, there is a a kind of entitlement there. It is that sort of like you know Hollywood celebrity. Uh, showing up in in some part of the world and saying why aren't things better here well first of all you're a millionaire you could just donate some some help but i mean it's everything about it is kind of ridiculous um i uh i don't mind that they've been banned from going back uh i i that's not how you conduct yourself no and i think that there is you know i i do see and and there is definitely a sense among musicians now and 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 folk performers in general about mm -hmm. being aware of the stage that you are on you know mm -hmm. in, in in this case quite literally being aware of it um and and where you are now had he done the performance left the country and then lambasted them on social media is what it is you know mm -hmm. they can easily ignore the the online rantings of a, of a performer even doing the performance and or, or, or just not just walking off and leaving crazy tweets you get know? ignored every day exactly there were every a million a million things something. he could do yeah that didn't uh, uh publicly embarrass the government Mm -hmm. especially when it is a government that may not uh, may not be known for taking things in a calm and measured yeah. <laughs> response. You know, They're and not going to take it on the chin. Exactly. And it's not yeah. necessarily, you know, he's not going to have the, he's not going to suffer the consequences. And I wonder if this is something that we should be cognizant of worldwide because yeah. this understanding of who could suffer the consequences is something that has been missed a lot, even recently by the BBC. Now, did you hear about uh, this recent uh, case uh, of the backlash to the BBC, the uh, British Broadcasting Corporation? Oh, there's this backlash to the BBC all the time. You're going to have to be more specific. I do realize I may have to narrow it down. <laughs> uh, so the BBC has officially apologized after one of the journalists was asking the national team captain of Morocco right. about, uh, you know, and actually the quote, the question is here in Morocco, it's illegal to have a gay relationship. Do you have any gay players in your squad? And what's life like for them in Morocco? Now, is let that me a just, direct quote? Word me, for yeah, word? Yeah. Yeah. Let me just break that down. 
Step one. In Morocco, it is illegal to have a gay relationship. Step yeah. two. Are there any gay people in your team? I'm like, oh, my, God. Oh my days. Uh, as it happens, the team captain did not answer that particular question. Um, yeah. And therefore, you know, jeopardize the status of, of, you know, oh, just despicable, truly despicable. You know, it's yeah, worth, yeah. I can see why the question came up. Because mm -hmm. this is, I think it's supposed to be like the most queer, the queerest or the, the most lesbian of major sporting events that's happened in a very, very, very long time, if not ever, mm -hmm. because mm -hmm. of the amount of openly gay uh, female athletes competing in a number of different teams uh, also, in the FA. Some of the the highest rates of gender non-conforming, uh, gender non-binary, I think there are two or three. I'm probably making those numbers up, but there, there are multiple. There's a, a non-zero number of mm -hmm. uh, trans athletes as well so i mean it it it's it is the queerest of it's, it's all definitely the, a, yeah. a, a a topic but yeah. at the same time you know you could maybe you know i would honestly expect better of the bbc but if it was maybe mm -hmm. a small local sports thing asking that question about yeah. you know does morocco have any lesbians on the team you know maybe ignorance is is permissible here but to start the question with yeah, yeah, yeah. i know this is illegal are you doing illegal things? Question mark uh, is not a great way to <laughs> to start an interview now, with somebody. If they're talking to like the Brazilian team or the Argentinian team, where they do have oh, human the rights and legal team. protections, well, well, the, we already know that the Canadian team is, is is a pretty gay team. But like, if there's a team where you don't know if it's a pretty gay team, and you're talking like to Chile, and you're like, we we don't hear anything about them, but here we 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 saw the UK, Canada, US. Uh, how about your team? You know, if you're asking Chile where there are no legal restrictions against homosexuality, at least not that I know of, and their, their human rights is generally pretty good on the issue, like, yeah, that's fine. But Morocco, especially if the first question is, um, the fact that you might know the answer to this could get you in trouble, uh, please answer this question. Like, no, I'm no, no, I'm sorry. The, the BBC sometimes don't send their best. No, it's it's really quite... Uh quite shocking now mm -hmm. speaking of sending their best miss italy the miss mm -hmm. italy pageant has mm -hmm. announced that they will only accept female at birth contestants okay so what do you think the reasonable consequence of that decision was I'm willing to bet that somewhere out there there's a trans man who applied. Over 100 Italian trans men <laughs> have uh -huh. applied to compete in the Miss Italy pageant. Now, you know, trans folks come in all kinds of shapes and sizes, uh, as do non-trans folks. Like, everyone comes in all kinds of shapes and sizes. But there mm -hmm. are a lot of what would be perceived as very manly men mm -hmm. uh, entering to compete in the Miss Italy pageant. Really, to I think the point being made here is like, look, this is arbitrary uh, and devoid of common sense. Like, you know, at, at no point in this pageant is the literal genitalia a part of the process. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, the, the, I, I just I love when things like this come up, which really demonstrates how ridiculous it is. It's like just a, a small smidgen of common mm -hmm. sense is all that's needed. Um, and in the end, we find ourselves with a hundred trans men 
competing or, or playing to compete uh, with the Miss Italy pageant. I mean, you can't make you can't make this thing. I mean, it, it's kind of a, uh, a, 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 a how would I put this? Like a cheeky, sassy teenager kind of a response, but. I still approve of it because in the grand scheme of cheeky, sassy teenager responses, this one's actually pretty funny. I definitely approve this. This this is a giggle for sure. Yeah. And why not? I mean, they, they know they're not going to get in. They know they're not going to win, but it's still, you know, whatever. It's probably just two afternoons out of their time and they can send a message. So, I mean, it, it's fine. I don't know. I think it's funny. I think it's funny. I approve. Now, we mentioned uh, last week we were talking about uh, being able to identify uh, bisexual men based on their voice. Do you recall that conversation? I do, yes. Excellent. Well, the Journal of Sex Research has mm -hmm. had a recent study. They were using... Uh, they're, they're, it's the, the, the... Oh, my gosh. Let me get the name of this. It was the data from the Ipsos Mori 2015-16 English General Practice Patient Survey. Okay. Which has 830,000 adults on it. So it is not a small survey. Sometimes when we look at surveys and they were like, oh, this was an interesting survey. And they were like, we asked 50 people. and uh, But no, this one's 830,000 people. And they found the sort of big, big sort of takeaway from all of this is that bisexual women were four times more likely to suffer from long-term physical and mental health problems compared to non-bisexual women. Even compared to lesbians. That, that's actually really interesting. Sorry, compared to the heterosexual patients. Oh, okay, okay. So, I don't know. I, it would be interesting to see. I, I mean, I don't want to say a stack, but you know, like comparing bisexuals to to heterosexuals and comparing bisexuals to homosexual women and seeing like what is the comparison there. I mean, I'd love to see that in a chi square. Um, that's a stats thing. Um, yeah, no, that kind of thing is really interesting when you see that. It, it sometimes it uh, unfortunately it can help you identify uh, injustices in the system, but it can also help identify other things. Like I don't know, maybe maybe there's other issues at play here, uh, stresses mm -hmm. or or like um, the the discovery that people have no idea what to do with that. Um, gay men, more so bisexual men, less so are more susceptible to IBS, and this is even before they become sexually active. So before you make jokes about but stuff i mean it's still it is the ibs is just in there at a very high rate um which is uh inexplainable we don't know why uh that's not really a structural injustice that's just a medical mystery at that point mm -hmm. in time um this kind of thing is important and interesting to know because it can first of all it can help us learn things about the general human body um the edges sometimes are how you learn about the middle so the the number of times you're like i don't know we, we study uh, uh uh breathing patterns in sperm whales and then we learn something about the human lung like that kind of thing can happen um so i, I don't know this kind of thing is is scientifically interesting uh well, i mean it, it, is. it could also reveal social and structural injustices in the medical system as well i'm not putting that down i'm just saying the whole process of learning about this is very interesting and i hope something comes out of it well they found that uh, broadly speaking like i said it was mm -hmm. like eight hundred thousand people here uh but broadly speaking uh you've got your sort of your your level of 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 health concern mm -hmm. that your bog standards 
uh, average straight person uh, is going to have, which, you know, mm -hmm. just for the sake of our audience is, what, 9 out of 10 people. Like, that's, mm -hmm. that's a lot, lot of the average of the average of the most average. Yeah. They are going to have, you know, X amount of health issues. Lesbians, yeah. gays, and bi's as a group uh, are going to have twice as many health issues. Not every single one of them is going to have twice as many, but on average, as a whole, twice as many. Oh, yeah. I have enough health issues for you and me put together and uh, uh, average uh, up between and a, you and, and I. And a few more uh, Raptor, you know, yeah, I'm sure we could <laughs> lump in a few more. But then by folks four times. And I think that that's really what's startling here. It's just yeah. the, the scale compared. So what is it? You know, mm. uh, by only goes so far, you know, to, to explain some of this. But really understanding how is it? that in 800,000 people, that the bi folks in that group are four times more likely to report health and mental health issues compared to uh, their, their straight uh, counterparts. I know there's a, there's a UK survey that was done a couple of years ago, and I really wish I could remember the source. I may have to look that up. Uh, that actually, they, they tried to find why um, men just all men, heterosexual men, bisexual men, whatever, just men in general go to the doctor's less. Because the longest time they're saying stoicism and stubbornness and blah, blah, blah. And when they actually surveyed, they found that a lot of men didn't want to occupy space that they felt that somebody who needed it could take. It was that sort of like stoicism of like, I don't want to be in the doctor's office when someone who's actually sick could be in the doctor's office. I don't want to take their spot. Um, there are these sort of indirect social issues that come up um and that's just sort of like you know uh putting others before yourself in that case it, it could be something like that something that we just haven't thought about that i don't know maybe uh maybe they they are more likely to just endure the pain or more likely to not worry or i don't know there's, there's got to be a follow-up maybe basically. we're not asking the right questions you know what I mean? Like who? It's yeah. It's gonna take some. I mean, uh, some digging. by definition, we're not because if we were asking the right questions, we would know the answer by now. This is true. This yeah. is true. Well, uh, yeah. Did you have any other stories that you were keeping an eye on? Uh, ooh. Uh, mm, did I? I don't think so. Do you have any? Well, I do think that there was a story coming out in Jordan, but I can't keep. I can't see where I put that one. Um, in the Middle East. Jordan, Jordan, the country, not Jordan, uh, a man. Uh, I believe that there was some legislation moving happening there, but uh, we'll keep an eye on that as it progresses mm -hmm. as well. Now, we are going to be playing out with our last track. This is called Somebody's Curses. This is the debut track by Somebody's Curses, uh, mm -hmm. which is obviously a stage name for, uh, for somebody who's been making audio for for quite a while um, but it's mm -hmm. a great track it's called bedhead um and uh yeah so i have been luke smith and i've been sebastian and thank you for listening Thought that I'd forget 
I'm not coming back 